Welcome to this episode of Through the Educational Looking Glass. I am one of your hosts, Courtney Edelman. And I'm your other host, Don Sturm. We're both in coaching roles in Morton Unit School District 709 in Central Illinois. Thanks for joining us as we try to gain clarity on the variety of topics concerning teachers today. Let's take a closer look at today's topic. Today's topic is looking at how others experience the world. And it's just as a reminder, um, this podcast was brought about as a response to the teachers in our district. We went to them, had some questions, uh, listened to what their concerns were, what they were experiencing, what they found meaningful. And we really then wanted to find a way to talk directly to those things um, with this audience in mind. And Courtney, you reminded people of that because recently we had an early release uh, day that was full of PD. And um, what we found is that a lot of people were tired. At the end of this PD session, we got a lot of feedback that, not negative feedback, but it was just like, I am exhausted. Um, There's a lot that could have contributed to each person's experience that day, but overall, it really started us reflecting on those comments in a number of ways. Yeah, for instance, one thought... uh that we had was what changes are possible for the next time that we partner with teachers in this kind of professional development. Yeah. Another thought was, is this how students feel at the end of the day? Yep. You know, the idea that we do this kind of PD once a month on most months. Um, but students kind of go through that same process of classes over and over again all day, every day. Yeah. So we did start thinking about that. And I mean, then stepping back from that, really in a, in a broader sense, it got us thinking about the concept of empathy. Yeah. And that's what I love about us putting together this podcast, because you start, like we looked at the reflection from teachers and then our mind is going 50,000 different directions. And then ultimately we're like, you know what, this is really about empathy when you boil it down. And so, um, what we thought we would do here is just start with a definition of empathy. Now we did find that there's not one definition of empathy, they all, they're a little bit different from each other. But the one that we liked, um, empathy is the ability to sense other people's emotions coupled with the ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking or feeling. And I think one of the challenges of being, really being empathetic to somebody else is to not question, not only hear what they're saying and what their life experience is as they're describing it, but accepting it and believing it when it doesn't match your own experience. Have you ever had that before? Oh, yeah. I I mean, sometimes we want to rationalize why, oh, well, that isn't really the way you experienced that. Or here's how, you know, know, that wasn't quite an accurate depiction. And I think in this job as a coach, in life in general, I mean, just that going into it with that mindset of people are being as honest as they can and doing the best that they can. I mean, that's that re- has better results, I think, for your your interaction with the world. Um, but sometimes it's difficult. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this idea of it being a, a two-way street later on. But it's like, if I'm telling somebody my story and the way I view the world, I would be, like, offended if they said something to me like, oh, yeah, but that's not, that's not really the way that things are. Yeah. I would be, but yet it's easy to do when somebody else is telling you a story, their story, 
And a lot of it is, it's that idea of empathy where you maybe have no experience with that. You're trying to, and you're trying to understand where they're coming from, but you don't, you genuinely do not have that same world or lived experience as someone else. Yeah. And then it makes it more difficult to accept that because sometimes it's like that it's so con so contradictory to how you have experienced life. And so we have to, I think, um, give ourselves a little bit of leeway with that, but also push ourselves to say, no, I, we, we have to, um, believe the lived experience of other people. Yeah. And so let's actually go back to that student experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in your classroom. Um, we pulled out a Washington Post article. I Boy, 2014. I can remember when this article was, was popular. Um, this teacher spends two days as a student and is shocked at what she learns. That was the title of the article from 2014. And they had some key takeaways. Um, one, students sit all day and sitting is exhausting. And that's one of those that might, you might have a knee-jerk reaction to be like, well, how can that be exhausting, right? It might be that if you haven't been in that circumstance lately, you might think, well, you're just sitting there. How tiring can that be? And it is interesting how she describes that act of, you know, I, I wanted to get up and move. I wasn't able. And ultimately, she becomes a bit lethargic throughout yeah. the day. Well, I think about we just drove to Kansas City, which was five and a half hours, and it's five and a half hours, but you're sitting there. And I did. I got out of the car and I'm like, okay, I'm tired. Yeah. And and it's not just even the idea of sitting. I would add that idea of your brain is working. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hopefully it's working. Well, I mean, it is working, but <clears throat> to what degree? And it is. It's that tiring experience. Well, and that leads us into that next key takeaway, um, which is that in her experience, high school students are sitting passively and listening during approximately 90% of their classes. And so, you know, it, the degree to which you are actively engaged in thought might also be challenged, at least in, in her experience. Um, and we thought about the connection to our subscription PD that we do um, called Coach Crate, and we deliberately chose that topic for this month of stop, think, and process. So even if we are relying on direct instruction or if our students are experiencing direct instruction for a good proportion of their day, um, how can we be mindful of that and build in these moments for active engagement and learning? Yeah. And it was funny, we were both a little bit concerned that if we spent a lot of time on this part, that it would basically be kind of rough for junior high and high school Mm -hmm. because it seems like a lot of the research a lot of the articles I should say focus on the middle school and above and how they're sitting passively and we kind of talked about that like is it different in an elementary school is it different because you have the same kids all day is it is there just an expectation that in elementary school they can't sit still for that long and so they're up and moving. I, you know, I don't know. But. Well, and I think part of the interest in spending a day, you know, following a student's schedule, you do when you're an elementary teacher, 
you have that group of kids, you you know what their day has looked like from start to finish. Yeah, that's a good point. With, you know, a few variations of that, maybe when they go to specials or something like that. But you really don't know as a, a middle school or a high school teacher what their experience has been before they've entered your classroom and what their experience is going to be when they leave. So I, I don't know if that contributes to that um, interest in that, in having that experience as well. Yeah, and when I taught high school, I mean, we didn't know what a kid had the hour before they walked in. And one person may have had band, another person may have had PE. You could always tell the PE ones because yeah. they were sweating profusely as they came in. But yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good point. And the last takeaway, I chuckle, but it's not really funny. It says you feel a bit like a nuisance all day long. And when you read that part of it, at I, first when I saw that, I was like, feel like a nuisance. But it's like you as a student... It seems like you're always asking questions. You're always, can I go to the bathroom? Can I get a drink? Can I interrupt you? Can I sharpen my pencil? Can I, I mean, it's just all those things that you, um, I wonder if if that's an adult perspective. Like, would you kids really feel like a nuisance? Well, I don't know. And part of the, the point that she makes is the number of times that, you know, she was shushed. Or oh, yeah. the number of yeah. times that, you know, a question um, was responded to first by an eye roll and then, you know, yeah. and then the answer. And having teenagers at home, I understand the <laughs> how that can be grating when you're, you know, the initial reaction is an eye roll, you know, yeah. um, before there's any kind of verbal um, acknowledgement of what you're asking. So, I, well, and then you would always have those students that wanted to tell you with something. And it just was not the right time. And so I start thinking back to how did I handle that? And I hope I didn't roll my eyes. So yeah, that I, I found that nuisance went interesting. Um, Deidre Ripka, principal at the high school, did take, I, I guess, the lead from this, this whether it was this article or kind of that, that trend of, well, let's see how the world is through our students' eyes. And a couple of years ago, she shadowed um, a student. And interesting, we we reminded her of that yeah. um, in in relation to this uh, podcast, and so she shared some thoughts with us. And I'll go ahead and read um, her recollection. She says, "Quote: I remember trying to soak up the experience with the student, and also being preoccupied with my inbox. I think there's a strong correlation between what I was feeling and also what a student could experience on any given day. They are expected to prioritize their time and attention and box up." whatever might be nagging them, friends, work, social media, sports, etc. The above is a normal experience or normal day for a student. If we threw in some of the adverse situations that a kid may experience on any given day, breakup, failing grades, friends mad at you, parents fighting, money concerns, etc., it would be difficult to concentrate or even want to be at school. Boxing up those distractions is way harder. However, sometimes as educators, we take it personally and think that students don't care. They do care, but they don't have the skills to box things up and move forward. Their box is heavy, and they need help carrying it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and it's one of those where you really, you might even need to listen to that twice. Yeah. Because it is, um, I, did you think about that when you were in the classroom? I don't know if, I, well, no, I think, yes, I did, but it was probably 
when I had the luxury of time in my own mind to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think we are all aware of those things. And when we can stop and take a break or when we're in a mindset where we can step back, we appreciate those and really think about them. But I think those get pushed to the wayside by all the other stressors and all the other um, obligations that, that teachers have on them. Yeah, and I also think more about this as, I, as I've studied the brain a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I think what's maybe missing here um, is, and their brains aren't developed. Like, it's one thing for me at 50 plus years old to have this stuff that I'm carrying that's difficult to carry and it's heavy and I still might need help, but my brain in theory is as, you know, I mean, it is developed. Um, I know that's a scary thought, (laughs) but um, it is developed. Now, there, in an addition, I guess, to that article, uh, and it's kind of like the comments have been open for a while Somebody put in there, uh, this educational psychologist, Lee Shulman, uh, was asked, what are the most powerful indicators for determining who is likely to be a really great teacher? He replied, well, you might be surprised or dismayed by the most interesting finding. The best teachers are remarkably good at describing in fine detail what happens in their classroom, even as they teach and move an agenda forward. I mean, that's... That it's not content knowledge. Yep. It's not anything else. It seems to be, according to him, that idea of being able to recognize, really being empathetic. Yeah, having an awareness and an empathy for what's going on in your classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about what empathy is, but how do we move towards being more empathetic for our, our students and, and those that we that we work alongside every day? I think one thing that came to mind, and this was kind of, a reflection that we had on another PD session, um, we used in a deep dive that we did this year, we used EMC2's empathy map. And I think we've spoken before about EMC2 as a um, collection of engagement strategies. But if you haven't taken a look at the empathy map, um, it's worth taking a look at, and it can be applied to a number of situations, uh, characters in a book. Um, historical events and people. Um, But we asked teachers in this deep dive to picture a student in their class and then to fill out that empathy map uh, from that perspective. Yeah, and when you look at the empathy map, if you can just kind of visualize it, uh, it's like these quadrants and you put the person's name in the middle and then it's like, okay, what might they be thinking and feeling? Um, What might they be hearing? What, what might they be seeing and doing? And then my site is rough here. Courtney, you're going to have to help me. Yeah, and then it's at the bottom, it's the pains yes. and the gains. <laughs> so, you know, what what are the positives that are going through that person's um, mind or experience? And then what are the struggles um, from their experience? And we did have teachers say, I've never thought about that before. Yeah. And so uh, that was one tool that we thought, you know, gives you a very, I think, quick concrete way to start to um, to start to, to think about another person's perspective and maybe build some of that empathy. Yeah, and I think even, you know, we're talking about students, or I'm sorry, we're talking about teachers looking at students, but principals could do this mm-hmm. with their staff and just really starting to think about that student that maybe gets under my skin. 
I'm going to put myself in their place. What What is going through their head? Um, and then another thing we thought about is, we're, I'm going to use the example of a swivel. We're an iPad district. Uh, swivels are this robot that you put an iPad on. And I say robot, and it seems like some kind of like rolling thing, but it sits on a tripod and you wear a marker and it moves with you. And so we're thinking that one of the best ways of finding out what is happening in your classroom is to actually record your classroom. And so like you said, it could even be strategically placing one of these markers, which really is a microphone, um, on in an area of the room where maybe there are students that are struggling with, maybe it's a discipline issue, maybe it's uh, they're, they're quiet, maybe yep. whatever it is, but really being deliberate and intentional about trying to figure out what is happening and trying to see the reality of what's occurring there. And I think, you know, empathy does, shouldn't only extend one way. So we've talked a lot about how do we put ourselves in the position of our students? How do we, um, you know, see things from their point of view and and hopefully then empathize with them a bit more? Um, but I, I guess I go back to your your question about did we think about what students were bringing into our classrooms? You know, when we were in the in the class classroom. Um, but I also think there was that sense that teachers shouldn't bring their personal life or anything. You know, you you leave it at the door. Yeah. And I think that's such an antiquated way of thinking about it and an unrealistic way of thinking about, you know, what, how teachers experience life on a daily basis. You, there are things that you can't leave at the door and completely compartmentalize. Yep. And there are things that maybe you shouldn't. And so having students see you, um, as a, a human being with, with things that are going on in their lives as well, to an appropriate extent, I think is important. And so like those idea of think alouds. Yeah, and- that was that was one thing that I had suggested. I mean, we do this sometimes with content. You know, how might I think aloud as I work out a math problem or as I think about characterization in this story? But I think you could do that with, you know, some of the planning or the 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 things that you think about as a teacher as well. Well, and I because I think there's a there's a fine line between and I'll just say it and hopefully it doesn't make people mad. There's this fine line between coming across as whining to mm-hmm. your students versus them truly understanding why something is the way that it is. And I loved your example about the the grading and the the writing. So I don't know if you want to share yeah. that. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, if you set up uh, students to have the experience of reading through either a model project or paper that you bring in um, and really have them kind of reflect on it, how would you assess it? What it what, how would you explain that to the student? Um, they might find themselves, okay, we've spent 35 minutes on one project or sample project mm-hmm. or paper. Um, I mean, that gives them the experience of, yeah. And so when I take home, however many, 60 because I have two classes, 92 because I have three classes. When I take 125 home, because you have five yes, classes. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, it gives them some sense of the work and the effort that you put into it. You can also pull students in, though, as partners and problem solvers, I think. You mm-hmm. know, when you say, okay, this is what we have to accomplish. I, I think ec- educationally for you, it's going to be best if we can get to this point by our Thanksgiving break or by our winter break. Um, this is what we need to accomplish. So how do we get there? You know, what are those choices that we need to make about how we spend our time, what we take home? Do we take work home? That gives them some 
some um, insight into the decisions that we have to make as educators, but also brings them along as partners in solving that problem. Well, and I think ultimately it is um, teaching students a skill. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we just, like we might say, I'm sure I said it, you just need to know where I'm coming from. But if I never, if I never really help them understand that I wasn't teaching them anything. And I think it hopefully pays dividends when they go into a workplace and they are either a boss or an employee that they bring those empathy skills um, with them. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about relationships and some people, some people may think it's like an overused type of thing, but I really do think the more of a relationship you have it's easier to enter into a conversation with people and then that's how you learn about them. That's how you learn what they're going through. Um, And, you know, I mean, relationships are harder the more students you have. Um, But then you also, like, we haven't even thrown in the idea of the parents. You know, we've talked more about the, the school itself, but then you also have parents that it's nice if they're empathetic toward you and what you're experiencing, but then understanding where the parents are coming from as well. Yep. We always want to close with reflection questions, and this time we boiled it down to just two. And so uh, the first one is, whose viewpoint do you need to better experience or understand within your own classroom? And the second, um, how will you get a clear picture of the way that person experiences the world? One of our main goals of this podcast is to create meaningful connections. If you'd like to share your responses to the questions, we'd love to listen. This can be done through the Google form that we have linked through the public site on Anchor or through Anchor's voice response option. Additionally, consider sharing your thoughts with a colleague or an instructional coach to open up meaningful dialogue. We have enjoyed taking this journey with you through the educational looking glass.